3: Welcome to the Really Double F7 podcast for another look into the extensive James Bond songbook. You can find us and listen in on iTunes and Spotify and we are on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. Special shout out this morning to the Paul and Griff show, a couple of lads from the south of England who love talking films, particularly uh, the Marvel and superhero films, but they've recently done a series on the James Bond films and they're going through them one by one in a very humorous and original way, so I'd recommend you uh, sign up to them on iTunes, the Paul and Griff Show. But tonight I'm joined by regular contributors John Kell and Math Pickup. And we're also joined by none other than Steve Spring, who is a, a massive fan of Bond and Northampton Town FC, I believe.
4: It is, yeah, sad, sadly at the
5: moment.
3: Oh dear. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know whether to talk about football. I don't think any of our clubs are, well, Not some of them aren't even playing, very FC, but Stoke aren't doing great, are they, John? No, we're very much mid-table mediocrity at the yeah. moment. Yeah. Season over before it began. But anyway... Although some people R- might actually take that, you know, like... Yes, I'm sure, yeah. I'm sure quite happily you'd take it, wouldn't you, Tom? Uh, that's very kind of you to say so, John. Yeah. I think by the time this
4: podcast airs, I think we'll be in League Two anyway, so... Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll know the answer. i know the outcome. Yeah.
3: Oh, dear. How sad. Anyway, Steve, yes? So you're a massive Bond fan, and we've, uh, we've seen your posts on Twitter and stuff, but how did you get into James Bond?
4: So I, I was born mid-80s, 84, so late 80s is when I started watching Bond, so at a very young age, probably like five or six. Well, one of, one of my first memories is Aspire loved me during the Barcelona Olympics in 92, so I was already seven at that point, but I knew Bond prior to that, that was just another viewing of Bond on TV, so I kind of knew Bond long before then so it's kind of always been in my life my mum's the one that's actually got me into Bond rather than my dad so I know most people say the dad but it's actually my mum and I don't know if you guys remember the film Scrooge with Bill Murray oh,
2: yeah. when he,
4: goes, oh, yeah. back, when he yeah. goes back in time and he sees himself as a young kid sat like five inches away from TV. <laughs> I'm I'm not saying I've got bad parents but that's kind of how I felt my was I kind of see that and I think that's me sometimes I was kind of plonked in front of a telly for quite a while watching watching Bond and watching all sorts. So it's it's always kind of been in my life. It kind of went out for a short while, around about 2002. Um, what? What happened then? Then <laughs> the life stuff, little late teens at that point. And uh, yeah, I wasn't as keen on, on the last film. Um, hmm. But it, it, came, it came back in a big way. And I always had this thing of... When a new Bond comes out, I watch all the old Bonds in a build-up to it. So I kind of have like a, almost a year of Bond where I kind of watch Dr. Noah. Right.
3: Awesome.
4: Up to whatever's coming out. And I think when Casino Royale came out, for some reason, I was really into the build-up of it, which I've never been before. I was probably, I think it's probably more to do with the internet more than anything. I was able to see stuff online and follow it. And then I don't watch all the films in the build-up now, but... I've kind of found the fandom after Spectre. I really, really disliked Spectre when it came out. I, I had lots of issues with Spectre, and normally after I've done my little marathon and I've seen the new film, I kind of let it go and i will I'm, I'm get ready for the next one. Whereas Spectre kind of stuck around in my head, and I was constantly thinking about why are they doing this, how can they, what you know, how it could have been improved, why they made the decisions they made, and I don't know why. It's it's because I mean even now those decisions still stick in my head. But that kind of led me to, to search online for Bond fans. And that's kind of when I discovered the James Bond community. The first thing I discovered, I literally typed in, talking James Bond on YouTube, just to find anybody who was talking about James Bond. And James Bond radio popped up. And that's my first introduction to podcasts. I'd never really listened to any podcasts. So that I started off watching them on YouTube for a while, rather than listening to it. I was kind of watching them talk about it, which was which fine, I don't do that anymore. But then 2019, I kind of discovered the rest of the fandom. I moved on and found other. I didn't move on. I still listen to them, but I found there were more podcasts and more people talking about it, and it's kind of grown into a, a massive, massive community at the moment. I know it always was, but in my mind, I now I now see it as what it is. So yeah, come come 2020 when um, COVID hit. Unfortunately, I was made uh, well, I was put on furlough to begin with, so I spent um, a lot of time on Twitter, which I wasn't doing before. And I decided I was just going to make myself like a, a James Bond fan account, if you like, and gush over James Bond and talk with the James Bond fans. And that's basically what. Unfortunately, I haven't been working for a year, so I've been doing that for a year. So I've spent quite a lot of time on on Twitter, more more than I should be, basically. And yeah, I, I don't have a particular area of expertise within James Bond. I'm just a, a regular fan who likes to talk about it quite a lot. So yeah, I, I don't claim to know a particular area like fashion or music or anything like that. But I know, I <laughs> know, I know what I like. <laughs> And I like to talk about what I like. And I, I talk about what I dislike as well. So, yeah, if, if anybody has heard my name, it's probably through Twitter.
3: Yeah, that's, that's exactly why we're here. We're not experts. You know, we're not... I mean, some of us have obviously... We've done scripts and things like that. And we do have technical knowledge. But we're here as Bond fans. And yeah. it's, everyone's, everyone's views are, are different, but they're all equally valid. And that's, that's the joy of this, I think. And, I, and that doesn't mean we're going to fall out tonight. <laughs> it's, it's not... It's not Steve, yeah, so growing up, who was your favourite Bond? I know you're a big fan of Daniel Craig, but before he came along, when you were a bit younger. I love, you how, you like big, I love
4: how you say I'm a big fan of Daniel Craig, but I'm not <laughs> actually a massive fan of Daniel Craig.
3: <laughs> Compared to no, this no, lot, you will I'm about to say, fan.
4: just liking him doesn't mean I'm a massive fan. I don't know you guys <laughs> <Yeah>. are, but... <laughs>
2: Craig apologist. Yeah. yeah. He's,
4: he's not in my top three, if I'm honest, but I, I like him, so I guess I'm a big fan. um Good. My my favourite, you know, it took me a long while to realise because I like to, I don't like to rank, I've never liked to rank stuff up until recently when I kind of feel like I have to because that's kind of all what everybody wants to talk about. So when I, I, I always say Sean Connery is the best because he is the best, there's no doubt in my mind, he's the best, I like to refer to him as the best movie Bond because he's got everything, he ticks all the boxes, all the others tick some of them. Not all of them. He literally ticks all of them. I think Dalton over the years, all both of Dalton's films are in my top four now. They weren't there five years oh, ago. Oh, yes. So I've, I think as, I, as I've got older, I've appreciated what Dalton brings to it. And I'm, I'm so close to calling him the best of my favourite. I want to do that. But I just weird. refer to...
5: Do it. <laughs> <laughs> I, sorry, I, sorry, to, <laughs> I say
4: he's the closest to Fleming's Bond. He's the best Fleming Bond. That's, that's why I give him his own little bracket and say he's that. But I think... Sadly, it took until 2017 to realise that Roger Moore is my favourite and I will come out and say he's my favourite. And I know it took him him to pass away for me to then revisit all his films and I just realised that actually when he passed away, it was like a family member went. It's like watching the guy. He's almost like an uncle to you. I don't know. I just can't apologise for Roger Moore. I won't apologise. I love Roger Moore. I I can't. If anybody asks my favourite, I will literally say it's Roger Moore and I don't, you know, (laughs) that's, that's who it is. I grew up with him. He got me into Bond and I don't think without Roger Moore as a young child, when I was a young child watching his films, I don't think I'd be such a big fan as I am now. So I think he took the series in a direction that hooked me as a young child into the series, which is why I always think when people criticize the lighter side of it, I mean, if you'd have carried on just to making the Connery films, I don't think they would have carried on. I think you needed a different tone and a different take. And I think that grabbed a younger audience, which is what I think if Bond 26 perhaps maybe needs to do to grab a next generation is to get a lighter tone and get the younger audience in again. Because I don't see, the, apart from fans like us forcing it slightly onto our children, I don't, think, yeah. I don't think that younger generation are getting that bond that they need to actually get into the series. There's not that connection for them. So and it's very, it's very hard for a young child these days to say, here's Roger Moore unless you tell them he's brilliant they probably won't see it because they won't get it you need they need a, a modern day not a modern day roger moore but a, a modern day into bond mm. i think yeah brilliant but yeah sh- short answer roger was my favorite
3: this is brilliant <laughs> That's, i agree with you, steve um have you any any thoughts on who who you could cast i know it's an impossible question in many ways but um
4: no, because when I think about it, I then contradict myself and say I want a really great actor doing it. And I can't. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, know, I know I want a lighter tone, but I know what I, I want someone who's going to surprise me a bit. And I think that's what Daniel Craig did when he took over. I wasn't expecting him to be so good in Casino Royale for what he did. And I think I hate the obvious choices whenever I see them in the press. And, you know, he's six foot two, he's dark hair, he's got a suit on, he's in the local, he's in the latest BBC drama or whatever. Yeah. And I just yeah. think, well... He's obvious. And, and, and one of the worst things I hate is when you see someone give a performance like James Bond, and then they say, he should be James Bond. When I'm like, for example, the night manager, and I was like, well, I've seen how Tom Hiddleston played <laughs> play James Bond, so I don't want to see that now. I want to see someone who has never played anything like James Bond and surprises him really? on screen, so I think, yeah, I, can, I can't give an answer, because I, I, I want to see someone I don't know, if I'm honest, almost. I know there's a few people who I think could do it, you know, the famous people, but I'd like, I, I think an unknown is the way forward for me anyway.
3: It's like a Christmas present, isn't it? You, you, you almost want to unwrap it, not knowing yeah. what it is. You kind of know, want to know what it is. But, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry that well, you've
6: had a 16 years of disappointing Christmas presents then, Thomas. <laughs>
3: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, dear. Yeah, and I still get Christmas presents from Father Christmas, so it has been very tough. Right. Tonight, we are talking uh, the songs of James Bond, and some pretty obscure ones, in fact. <laughs> uh, some of them. But we're, yeah, we're focusing on the remaining songs from uh, the License to Kill soundtrack. We did cover the title song and the end title song in a previous episode with Matt Kanzik. But tonight, we're going to discuss the two other actual original songs <laughs> written for the film, I think. Yeah, I think they were. <laughs> Um, I don't know how they came to be, I've no idea. I don't know whose decision it was, but we are glad. But one of those songs, of course, uh was inspired by perhaps one of the very first Bond songs, The Doctor No. And uh John is a massive fan of uh of these songs. He I think I I think John wrote wrote these songs. There's no evidence he didn't I much, think yeah. yeah. So we <laughs> we'll we'll reveal those later. Only for the diehard fans will probably know what they are already. But... <laughs> Yeah, we're also going to look at one of the more unpopular John Barry songs. Um, I say that because it didn't didn't actually enter the charts, but it's a, a beautiful haunting melody, and from a film that's probably less serious than the, the song itself. <laughs> Not the lyrics, though, John. Not the lyrics. Well, we'll see. <laughs> we'll see, yeah. Uh, <laughs> and then finally, Steve is bringing to the table a very recent uh, James Bond song, so that's Bit of a spoiler, obviously. It's still not out yet. The song is the song was out about two years ago, isn't it? <laughs> right. We will begin then, if you haven't guessed it, with Moonraker. So this was the third and final Shirley Bassey title song. All of them were written by the wonderful John Barry, but as with the lyrics to We Have All The Time In The World, John, brilliant lyrics, Yeah, we've, we got Hal David back. So, obviously, where could we go wrong with these lyrics? Where could we go wrong? I mean, what can I say, really? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like,
6: I know, I've, I know I've slated them in previous episodes, well, in the first episode but I suppose like, I think Man With The Golden Gun we talked about how I, I really like that song despite it's ropey lyrics and I think maybe I might have revised my opinion of this song a bit since then as well Ooh. in terms of I don't think the lyrics are brilliant but I think I've, they don't distract as much from it when you take it with the rest of the song and I was just saying to Math before uh, there's so much musically going on in the song that actually um, I think I appreciate the song a lot more than, than I used to do
3: was that after I sung it to you on on WhatsApp?
6: It's when you serenaded it to me. It
3: won <laughs> like me over straight away. <laughs> I'm putting you forward for the next Bond song, basically. I could, I'm not sure I could write those those uh, those melodies. You could write you could write them, John. Yeah, well, you could write them in ten minutes and be writing. To the wall, <laughs> yeah. <I don't> <laughs> Go another day. Yeah. Um, not. That's something. Um, the, the lyrics, actually, originally were, were offered by Paul Williams, who, I don't know, you might not have heard of him. I think he was involved with the Muppets' Christmas Carol songs. He did a lot of them. He, wow. His voice, you might recognise him. He's he's on the it the Daft Punk, their last ever, it turned out to be, album. You know, he's got slightly a voice like that. I, don't, I can't even remember the song. <laughs> well, he sounds we like Harry a Muppet. To, yeah, well, yeah, exactly, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I was trying to, yeah. Uh, no, but he's a he's a, a very good songwriter. But Hal David, a more traditional, of course, Bond name, and the Frank Sinatra was originally considered to to sing it. I, I think he was approached, and then Johnny Mathis was, but he 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 didn't like the song, so like pretty much everybody else, so he he withdrew from the project, and <laughs> so the, so basically the producers were left at the last minute scrambling around. I mean, how ridiculous! This is ridiculous. Kate Bush then declined she was about to go on tour so she didn't have time to do it so it's like, oh, right well who, who else is there? oh we'll just do it <laughs> brilliant great and yeah she, but the problem with this was that she only got it a few weeks before the film came out and she made the she made it the recording at very short notice so she's never really loved it as one of her main songs and she's very rarely performed it apparently um, live i suppose if you've got such a big back catalogue and you're going to do two Bond songs. So if you're having three of them, that's quite a lot, isn't it? <laughs> but um, yeah, so she's she's only done it. Apparently, last time was 2005, and I'm not sure she's ever done it live apart from that. Good facts, though. Good facts. It the uh, the instrumental version was used in, in the 2007 tourism commercials for the Dominican Republic. <laughs> so, I of thought I recognised it. Recognized it yeah, well, it's got that South American. Feel hasn't it when they go to Rio? So mm-hmm. I don't know whether it was that version of it though. <laughs> anyway, Ooh. and of, oh, of course, there's two versions of it. We've got the beautiful slow ballad for the titles, mm-hmm. and then we've got the end titles with the was it was, I mean, it was two years after Saturday Night Fever, wasn't it? So it's the, the disco version. Steve, oh, Steve, right? I want to hear what Steve thinks of this song. I have no idea. I've no idea you are going to say.
4: No, I don't either. Um.
3: <laughs> <laughs> this is going to be interesting uh, Make you up, you scale along, that's what we do
4: so. Yeah, that's what I planned on doing um, No, yeah. I, I I actually not a massive fan of Diamonds Are Forever as a song So I actually think this is probably the second best I, think. I don't know why, I just oh. never warm to that song I think it's because I don't warm to the film So I don't like the song as much And I do like Moonraker And I think all, all Bond fans want the title song to be woven into the score and I think you get that with Moonraker. Yeah. And I think yeah. any song, again, as I get older, I appreciate more stuff. And I think All Time High was a song I never liked. And I thought, it's, it's, a, it's a fine song, but it's not a great Bond song. And I still think that. And I think that probably about Moonraker, it's a great song, probably not a great Bond song if you've individually put it against all the others. Yeah. But If you look at how it's used within the film, it elevates it to another level. Yeah. So I think, like I said, All Time High did that. I think Moonraker does that. And I think to me, any, song if it's a good song and it's used within the score it's it's great i'm happy with that it doesn't need to be an amazing song on its own and then not be used because i I don't think it gets the identity of the film then so for me moonraker i know i love both versions i love the disco version at the end i'm not a dancer but i want to get up and dance when that comes on at the end i don't know why so it, it does its job so yeah that's that's kind of my my take on it it's not the best song but it's a it's a it's a good song and it's it's better because it's used within the film
3: you think it's just good to have a massive opening number you know like even Goldfinger you know just so big and epic and it gets you in the mood for the film whereas I know John's not a massive fan of Fury's Only either the song because it even if you think of it as a nice lovely ballad maybe not like oh yeah I want to watch Whack on the James Bond and then you, you get this ball sharp down a chimney and then and then hang on we're having a bit oh. Nice chill out song here now, but I mean it, it's, it's it's in quite a contradiction with the film, isn't it? This song, we I mean,
7: reckon. Right, yeah, I, I I completely agree. I I think um, it's a song that is probably less less well regarded, probably less well remembered by uh, by Bond fans and by people in general. I think it, in some ways it, it doesn't, you know, it doesn't quite match the film, notwithstanding what Steve just said, because I completely agree with that, but. The, yeah, the sort of, it's quite an emotional sort of song. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the lyrics and st- and, mm-hmm. and and the orchestration. It's a bit. It's 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 really beautiful musically. Yeah. I think. Yeah. It is. Um. But I I uh, I watched it for the first time in ages recently, and absolutely love the film more than I've ever enjoyed it to be honest with you. And um, I really I, I, I thought Holly Goodhead was a really good uh, character as well. But. Yeah. I don't think that theirs is like this a love story of the ages or I think both of them, (laughs) they sort of complement each other to, to get the mission done. And both of them are totally focused on the mission. They're not, you know, their romance is sort of a a secondary consideration. Um, And so in some ways it it doesn't quite fit in with, uh, with the film in that respect. But as, as Steve said, you know, with it, Having it in the score is just so it's so nice, and it's used several times throughout the film, beautifully. And you know, I long to have that again. I've mentioned it, yeah, several times. Steve has just mentioned about how good it is to have the melody of the uh, of the song yeah. used within the film. Also, something I love about the um, the end titles version is that it has that other bit theme. You know, the the more sort of mysterious. Do you want me to sing it or... Uh, oh, please. Yeah, please yeah. please no. do, that. <laughs> well, forget me. You know the...
0: Uh,
7: <laughs> da, 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 oh, yeah. oh that, yeah. That's how the, uh, the end titles version... Yeah, it does, dance, isn't it? Which Quite isn't in astray. the original, yeah. Yeah. So, um, oh, it's... it's just, and, you know, uh, John Barry, every day that goes by, he goes... Even further higher in my estimations, I think he's just an absolute genius. The the music for for the Bond films that he he wrote is, uh, you know, I, I can't I can't emphasize how much I love it. And you know, I, I recently watched Do, uh, Doctor No again for the first time in a while. Had it, I, I loved it. By yeah, it. I absolutely loved it. Yeah, yeah. But I, I, it lacked a bit of John Barry,
5: yeah.
7: um, and that would have elevated it even higher. So. Yeah, I think it's I think it's a really beautiful song, um, beautiful orchestration, wonderful production, um, but perhaps melodically and you know tonally not quite what people are after for a, a title song.
6: I mean, for me, I think um, I think that that's what Barry does with the, the majority of this score, isn't it? Uh, I mean, I know you've got the curveballs like the. Uh, throughout Venice and all that kind of thing but 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 the rest of it there's a lot of like it's very inspired by 2001 a space odyssey you know in terms of the, that um... space the whole thing yeah exactly <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Let, let's 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 make amazing orchestration to kind of demonstrate the aura of space You know, like, like, you know, when you go to say a planetarium, and they always have that kind of generic music to to show the vastness of the universe. I do, I do feel that that's what Barry's going for with that, and I do think that that's what Barry's going for with the song actually as well, because I think the instrumentation is very much like throughout that, and it's not easy to write a song with the title Moonraker in either yeah. you know where where it doesn't where it does clash a bit is because of how zany moonraker is as a film if you just if you took out the space elements the amazing space elements of it you'd you'd expect a bit more of a song in the vein of the man with the golden gun really in, in that kind of feel but in terms of how it fits into the, the the film and the score it's
3: great it's brilliant i think it is john barry at his best isn't it the Putting a beautiful melody, like particularly his non Bon films, he's so good at this. I mean, I could name some of them, but at the time, there was a film, The Deep, which has got Robert Shaw in. And if you haven't heard it, honestly, the score is quite similar. It's, it's that do, do, do. And then it's got, he's also done a song at the end, Donna Summer sings it, and it's got a disco version of it. So it's like, basically, oh, it anyway. Wow. So if you like this song, <laughs> you, get bo- you get both bits, basically. But we were talking about Living Daylights, and with that one, the, he goes even further. and He does like different songs and different themes. Whereas the, the, the actual Moonraker thing uh, theme, it doesn't go into an action version of it at any point. I don't think does it? it's just it's just used as the love theme, yeah. like in uh, Octopusy All Time High. Yeah. Um. I could, I could whack these on at any point. Though. Just uh, easy listening, beautiful songs.
4: Moonraker album is actually one I put on quite often because it's yeah. one I can listen from start to finish. And I, I sometimes tend to go to bed and I actually put it on to fall asleep too. Oh, it's it, lovely. I lovely. Have it on my phone next to me, and it's it's the one I always choose when I'm going to bed. Even if I'm just having like an afternoon nap for an hour or something, I'm going to yeah. go lie down. I tend not to then fall asleep. Unfortunately, I end up just listening. To <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And then it
5: put is. the
3: film on, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear me. Oh, yeah, we absolutely love it. Like I say, it didn't, it didn't uh, make any real impact on the charts, unfortunately. Um, probably because it was, you know, fairly last minute.
4: Just, sorry, just to pick up on another thing you are saying about John Barry and about the, the brilliance of him, one of the things I've heard is about how we can give stuff that doesn't have a sound its own sound so like in mm. Fundable, when you're underwater in Fundable, you feel like you're underwater. Yeah, yeah. oh, yeah. Oh,
5: so good, isn't it? Yeah. And then so you've
4: got, space, he's given space a sound in Moonlight. That's the sound of space to me, but space doesn't have a sound. And same with uh, Diamonds Are Forever. Dime, diamonds don't make a sound, but you'd imagine when you listen to it, it would make uh, that sound. Yeah. Yeah.
5: Just how he gives, yeah.
4: He gives objects Spot. and stuff. That doesn't have any sound, a, a, an actual sound. Somehow he makes you think that's the sound wow. of it.
3: Yeah. What an That's amazing brilliant. point that is. Yeah. yeah. That is true, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. When you do you see when you see a diamond, do you automatically in your head do di, di. you that noise? <laughs> That's yeah. yeah. sad isn't it. When you see gold. Da, da, da. <laughs> <laughs> no, when you see when, when you see gold, he has a powerful weapon <laughs> <laughs> the old yeah. um, There's many covers. Now Rob's not here. There's I couldn't there are there are the odd metal ones. No, is there? There's no metal covers in the song. But you might... You might be able to... ...to hear this. This is from, um, ...the greatest Eurovision winner of our time.
7: Dana International?
3: <laughs> Nearly. <laughs> huh? She's a burst. It is the great Austrian, uh, winner of Eurovision.
4: I that was Jared Leto in the picture, there.
3: Yeah, he does have It's <laughs> yeah. uh, new Joker. Well, you, need, you need a full orchestra for this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> These are the best lyrics the life yeah. You know those Moonrakers, you know what they do. They like to go and search some dreams of God, don't they? Yeah. Well, it was a shovel, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs>
5: Oh
3: so nice. the chords John though is um, pretty uh, original aren't they and daring well it, I mean when
6: I was going through it playing it because the um, the see your smile if you think about it in terms of the see
7: do do do
6: it's three generic um, yeah notes very boring. but what he does is he puts some, without sounding so technical he puts a minor on the tonic so he so what he does is when he goes see your smile now normally that would just be a c to a g which is the stamp bog standard change but he puts a minor on the c so it becomes a c minor and all of a sudden it sounds that adds to the mystery of what's been um, like done and when i was playing it on the piano and i was listening to it i'm like that's why it sounds like it's in space because otherwise, it, those three notes are so bog standard and it sounds like every other pop song, but just that one little change is basically to make it a minor, is changing one note in the chord, and yet it adds so much to it. Um, sensational piece of music, and I think that's why I've, I've appreciated it more because when I saw it written down, I'm like, oh my, this is you know, you can forgive
3: the lyrics when you see what actually is written <laughs> you you couldn't blame John Barrett for the lyrics anyway. Yes, right! Some, I mean, the other covers that I've heard, the lovely piano versions, like I say, you couldn't really do an upbeat... I don't know, well, could you? We've done the disco one, but... <laughs> I only think of this this the metal one, that's all I'm interested in. If you're enjoying Really 007, why not follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram? Look us up at Really 007 Pod. We go to Licence to Kill now. We go to Wedding Party. Probably the worst name of the song ever. It's, I suppose it is a wedding party, isn't it? It's not the wedding, crucially. This is not their first yeah. dance song. This is just music being played at a wedding yeah. party. It's so good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, John, please, you love both these songs we're going to talk about, so go on, I, I want to hear, you, hear your views on it. It's by Ivory, and no one can find them anywhere, I don't know who they are, I can't find any information on them. <laughs> Have you ever listened to it outright as a song as opposed to in the, well, in yeah, the film? It's like, it's barely it's, a song, isn't it? It's an instrumental with the odds of
6: five minutes of repetition. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's just the same
4: thing. I'm glad you said that. I, I listened to it yesterday because you were doing it, and I literally skipped to the end and I went, Is this still the same thing going on?
5: Just...
4: I was like, oh, three minutes of the same thing? <laughs> it's just source music. Not just me then.
5: No,
6: yeah. no. No, no. Um... Well, well, Firstly, I will have to say it's my daughter's <laughs> favourite James Bond song. Oh,
3: there, all oh, right. Oh, there
6: we go. <laughs> it's the only one that she bounces to. So that's that's.
3: Uh, yeah. so how, cool.
7: how old is she, how old is she, John? She's two.
3: All right. How has she heard this song?
7: It's fifteen. You know. No, no. It's well, <laughs> yeah. The
6: reason, it was about when she was about like eighteen months old and she was teething and she would not stop crying. You do whatever you can just to get her to stop. So I basically put this music on and started bouncing her up and down just singing, it's wedding party. And she started giggling. And ever since then, it was like, right. So thank you, Ivory. Whoever, whatever you are, you have saved me hours of hassle. When my daughter is, like, causing me trouble, I just crank on wedding party. Um, When I think of the song, the first thing I think of is, like, I've got to be careful because it's my brother's wedding tomorrow. So I don't want to slag off weddings too much. And and this will come (laughs) into it. Uh, A bit later, but you always have a period between the wedding where you've had the wedding ceremony and you're waiting for the meal and they're doing the pictures, and it's a bit of an awkward period. Yeah, I say it's the most boring part of the whole (laughs) thing. Like, you just it's where everyone no one's drunk, so it's like you're sharing pleasantries. And then the canopies come round, and because I'm gluten free, I can never have any of them anyway. <laughs> and, and it's the most boring. It's the most boring part of the wedding. But you think a wedding pie? you have not cut the cake yet. So they just decided that well, we're just going to jump in a pool and put yeah. this on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like this is the perfect solution to that boring part of every single wedding. And then because my brother's getting married tomorrow, and you're not allowed to have wedding re- receptions, so we're going for an outdoor meal. It seems the perfect time to take the paddling pool, fill it up.
7: (laughs) Oh, yeah. Get the speaker
6: (laughs) and and crank on wedding party. And it'll just be me and Sophia in the paddling pool, but that'll be all right. You know, we'll just, uh, yeah, just enjoy it. Please get Dave to play it, John. Please. Oh, Dave! would love it. I don't think Alex would. I think Alex has been no. very particular about <laughs> what's, uh, what's being played. Regarding the song, it's just such a. I mean, it's in the it's in the film for what ten
4: seconds.
7: Yeah.
6: And, it, <laughs> and it's left. That's that why impression. it's repeated for
3: three minutes. Ten, <laughs> yeah.
6: 10 seconds.
3: Why well, I had to listen to it last night. Yeah. Remember what it was. <laughs> <laughs> At least you did your research very well, Steve. So well,
6: <laughs> yeah. But I mean, like, it looks such a fun party. I mean, oh. it looks in the top five weddings I've ever seen, <laughs> and uh, and then it all goes downhill from there. And and like, I mean, it shows Felix's commitment to his job that he's stuck inside yeah. doing, you know, sorting out all these files on Sanchez when um, <laughs> when basically <laughs> when basically there is the greatest. Party in the world going on outside with the greatest soundtrack to it. It's just, a, it's just a shame it goes downhill from there.
7: <laughs> Not for the film
5: though. Yeah. Not for no. the film. Oh, the
3: film only goes oh. to a new level. I don't think I can say any more about it. Yeah, yeah. All I could say was, you know how Rob? I mean, we've, we've mentioned the story. He's mentioned it a few times on the podcast that he did make an inquiries with the council for his own wedding. He he wanted to jump in. Off the par- with a parachute off. I mean, I don't know whether he wanted a helicopter. I mean, that was going a bit too far, maybe. But he wanted to basically parachute in like Felix and James. But well, we c- okay. That's a bit. That's going to be a bit difficult for people's weddings. But no one's ever mentioned organising a wedding that's poolside and looks like this. Exactly. And, well, you know, why not? That seems a bit easier. You need to hire some amazing mansion. Yeah. From you with a, you could have book done book.
6: it at Baldingstone. Stone.
3: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah Harry's
7: wedding. Yeah, yeah. Harry's wedding. Yeah.
3: yeah, yeah, yeah. Jump up.
7: Yeah. Yeah. It's in it for. It's it's hardly in it, and then the song isn't actually. We cover the song absolutely isn't everything in song, the Yeah, even though it's like three and three and a bit minutes long. Um, There's no covers on. Cool. I, I I don't think it's quite up there with the. Um, the song in your eyes only, you know, by when they're by the pool.
3: Oh yeah, you know, if you make it last relax, all night.
7: Yeah, yeah. That well, that that is a, a bang. Yeah, 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 yeah. So maybe not a wedding. <laughs> no. but, or maybe you know, I don't know. In the words of Forrest Gump, you know that that's all I have to say about that.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I'm so pleased, Steve, that you did say you you're now a fully fledged Dalton. Obsessive like us I'll, I'll let you chat about the film for as long as you want to basically oh, I thought
4: you were going to say chat about that song I was going to say it's no really no good. we've it's
3: exhausted that
4: although I do wish I'd had that at my wedding now I would have played that had, yeah. I, had I been <laughs> such a big fan back
3: then that, that would have been a song <laughs> I'd have put on People so. like, everybody else, what on earth is this? Do you
4: not get it? Do you not, not recognise it? Yeah, no, I, I was saying, had, had I ever known about this song back then, I probably would have had this. This is the sort of song I would have played at my wedding because I'm, I'm that sort of person. I'd have had this on repeat for about 45 minutes while we did the photos just to annoy everybody. <laughs> um, I, I did have a couple of Bond songs at my wedding. I had City of Lovers actually played as we, as we left. And then uh, oh. as the, most of us all the, all the time in the world was oh. our, first, our first song, so we danced to that one as well. Yeah. So The funny thing was, my best man came up to me afterwards and went, D- does she know that Mrs Bond dies? <laughs>
5: yeah.
4: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> don't say anything about that. She hadn't seen it at that point. I was like, no, it's a, it's a lovely song. Don't mention that. That's that's not the point of this song. <laughs> don't
3: mention um, the war. Yeah, I mentioned it once. I think I got away with it. Yeah, in
4: terms um, of Licence to Kill, so as, as a film, like I said, it's one of those that I never watched as a child, hardly, because you weren't really allowed to watch it. It wasn't yeah. on, on TV as much as all the others, so it kind of become a little bit of a hidden gem that kind of, as you got older, you sort of saw it. And then, I don't know, to me, all the criticisms I had of it when I was younger, it was, I always used to say, "As oh, it's a generic 80s film, it's a bit TV-like, it's not the best. And then when you actually watch it, and the plot, and the story, and the performances, I was like, that just overshadows. Yeah. The, the, it's, it does look a little cheap. I don't know. I can still say it does look TV movie-like at times, compared to the other Bond films, it probably does. And I get the criticism of the, obviously the soundtrack was done by Michael Kayman who did Lethal Weapon and did Die Hard. So it's gonna sound like that. But to me, that's an 80s sounding Bond yeah. soundtrack now. I like yeah. that because yeah. it's got the Bond theme within it. It's, it's, that's how the 80s sounded for Bond. I like that sort of, that's an era that I can listen to now and enjoy it. And yeah, it's, it's, it's now Licence to Kill is third in my list. And it's very, very close to getting to those top two, I have to say. <sighs>
5: I used, two, I, I,
4: I used to, uh, sorry, uh, my top one is Casino Royale, which, apologies. Um, no, 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 no. Don't <laughs>
6: apologize. You're, you're <laughs> um, Don't that's worry. my third favourite. Yeah.
4: But I, uh, with Casino Royale, I ended up at the premiere for that one and I managed, I managed to get tickets for the first public screening. So as soon oh, as wow. all the cast left the cinema, we all went in and at 20 past midnight, me and my best mate literally watched Casino Royale until like oh. three
3: in the morning or half three oh, in the morning. That is yeah. amazing. It's a long one. That's brilliant.
4: And then because it was, I think it was November, so it was literally freezing and the train station didn't even open until like half five. So for two hours, we were in central London with massive Casino Royale posters that we'd ripped off the walls because they'd let us rip these big cardboard <laughs> posters off. Oh. <laughs> literally at a bus wow. shelter with them snuggled together, not broke back Mountain style, but <laughs> <laughs> almost almost that way to be honest with, with these big, big boards sort of like keeping the wind off us it was absolutely freezing and yeah that's the one i saw like seven times at the cinema and so that oh. one's kind of got quite a lot of nostalgia for me so i don't yeah, think we'll yeah. probably yeah. go lower because of that it's it's a good time i, I yeah. love that i love that film so yeah you know, i won't apologize for it if i'm honest no um, no. no no sure. Uh, yes. The you will
3: hear our review, don't worry, it's not as <laughs> I'll try and
4: get through it, I'll try and get through yeah. it. With <laughs> <Ellie>. <laughs> many
3: hours if you get a chance.
4: Um, my second one is uh, On a Majesty's Secret Service, and again, that's yes. one, the years that didn't go up there, and the last five years, that's just got higher and higher, and I saw that for the 50th anniversary. It actually came out on my birthday, the 18th of December, obviously many, many years before I was born, I'm not that old, but I went to see it for the 50th anniversary at... Um, it the Prince Charles Theatre? Like uh, cinema? Yeah. Oh, London, I think they were showing it. And I saw it on the big screen for the first time. And for a film oh, that I've seen wow. so many times, but then see it on the big screen, I absolutely loved it. It was like the best film I'd seen on the cinema. That. It, was, it was amazing. And I absolutely loved it. And I, the great thing was, I saw that with people who had never seen it before. Because oh, you could wow. tell from their reactions. And at the end, when they came out, a few of them were like, I can't believe she died at the end.
5: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
4: I, was like, I can't believe they're so shocked and it was just oh, wow. yeah, it was just an amazing experience to see that on the big screen. And yeah, license oh. to kill is third and Day Daylight's his fourth at the moment. So Well,
3: well Brilliant. This yeah. is superb. Steve.
6: Steve, we have the same top three films. So um yeah, you know,
3: yeah,
6: I'm good, man. Friends for life.
4: Cool stuff. <laughs> oh. Follow me on Twitter. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> don't,
3: don't, don't ask me to follow anybody. Sure <laughs> Licence to Kill, yeah. <laughs>
4: yeah I, didn't, I didn't really talk about Wedding Party much there, but...
3: No, we, we, we've <laughs> done Wedding Party. Basically, we've included these two so we can just talk about Licence to Kill for a bit longer. <laughs> <laughs> That's the only reason. Just to mention as well, Jump Off, which is the song it is sort of based on, isn't it? Even though we're not in Jamaica, it's got that steel band feel hasn't it to it, it is is it Puss Fellas Club yeah that, yes. that could be open now under the new restrictions couldn't it well mm-hmm. a socially distanced and stuff because <laughs> it is outdoor um, but it, it looks like a great place doesn't it John you, you were showing this, we were watching the scene the other day and the <laughs> The, that guy, <laughs> the guy dancing to it at the end is amazing. It reminds
6: me of. Do you ever watch Gladiator? It reminds me of Shadow from Gladiators Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, how,
5: yeah. how big his eyes <laughs> are! Yeah, well, yeah. yeah well. Well.
6: We know why, don't we? I think he had (laughs) some... Yeah, well, I'm not not claiming that anybody on the set of Dr. No was doing that. But yeah, I mean, he... Although he does look like he's doing it by how fast he's dancing as well. I mean, he's absolutely buzzing. He looks realistic.
7: I love that because, um, again, you know, revisiting Dr. No has really, really enjoyed it and thinking of this as the first one and people, you know, seeing this thing for the first time. And the idea of... A location, you know, and and Bond being in that location and amongst the culture. I think this is an example of it, and something I hope I hope we can. I'd quite I'd I'd like a bit more of it in in the in the new Bond films. To be honest with you, I was trying to think of recent examples when he goes to the casino in skyfall the macau casino there's a bit there's a bit of that but i think they could have done more in terms of we discussed this on in our review in terms of him being in the within the sort of culture and meeting people from that place it hasn't happened an awful lot in the uh, in the craig era i hope it's something that they they do do Going forward.
3: It's that bar with the scorpion. That's the only thing where he's even near anyone else.
7: Yeah, that's true. But we do. We don't, I don't. Do we ever we know, know where that place? Is. We don't know. No, what, no. And he doesn't really speak to people from the no. country where he's. You get it slightly in Quantum of Solace. Yeah, Quantum at, of Solace.
4: When they're going through the desert and see the the sort of landscape and the people that are desperate oh, for yeah, war. Yeah, that's true. That, that's probably the only thing
7: I can think of recently.
4: Yeah. You have to watch
3: it again, Matt. We need to remember. Yeah, that? yeah. I, I, I apologise. <laughs> it's shocking
7: for a bomb fan and bomb co- podcaster. I I think I've seen it twice, maybe three times. The last time was over a decade ago. So uh, pathetic. Bond I'm fan telling is, you yeah.
3: that that will go up in your rankings. So uh, I don't know
7: if it'll go up in my rankings. It might go up a bit in my <laughs>
3: estimations. I think. Or, you know, Steve's not a fan. I know he isn't. No, monster. but I just love
7: seeing Bond in you know yeah. within a, yeah. a culture and the people around him, and then a bit of a clash. You know when he's wearing a slightly different... You know, he's sometimes wearing a suit or something and they're all in, I don't know, outfits more.
3: The band were obviously from Jamaica, Byron Lee and the Dragonairs. A bit tasteless because, of course, uh, the dragon that killed quarrel. <laughs> don't know whether that's uh, they'd thought about that. Um, but apparently they were they were crucial in bringing Caribbean music to the world. So again, you know, a wider international audience could hear this kind of music. I mean, it sounds a bit naff now, doesn't it, that no one oh, hadn't really heard Caribbean music, but in the 60s... If you weren't from the region, I suppose you wouldn't have done. And yeah, this was a big break for them. I agree, Math. It's just got that feel, hasn't it, of just being there. You'd you'd absolutely love to be at that club and be oh, yeah. amongst it. Apart from <laughs> Apart from Moonraker and the other song we're gonna discuss. They're all these are all party songs, aren't they? Really? Yeah. <laughs> we got the stuff, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I I immediately associate that song with
6: Red Stripe. Because like yeah, there is yeah, just red stripe yeah. everywhere in that yeah. bar, it's just incredible. And what I do love about that song is, is that how it how it mentions Jamaica, like jump up, jump up, Jamaica over and over again. And you know, it certainly contributes to what you were saying about how it gives the feel of where you're at. You know, it's like it's yeah. quite a national song in a lot of ways. And, and it's a cracker. It's a great. If I was in Jamaica, which I certainly hope to be one day, I would certainly be having jump up on. Well,
5: wow,
6: that, that was in the bar. You do jump up, mate. You do jump up, yeah. You know, jump up? Yo, jump up, yeah. <laughs> Get my phone out. Yes, oh, two minutes song. This is what I want, mate. Oh,
3: super. Do, like, so, do Ivory. Yeah. Oh, yeah, do I? Yeah, oh, we we, yeah. we don't do that. We do know the Ivory. So, yes, the other the other song from License to Kill is more pop rock, arena rock, isn't it? Uh, ju- uh, dirty love. I mean, this is just an absolute banger. Math is wearing the locate uh, on his t-shirt. Yeah. The location, the barrel heads. barrelhead so bar and good. grill. Yeah. So I don't know what the food's like there, but the drink seafood, I assume. Yeah. 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 Swordfish. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a prop. But again, I'll start with you, John, because this is. This is what uh, again? Did you write this one? I've attempted to uh, rewrite it many, many a time to try and make, uh, to make cheap Christian songs based on the same <laughs> chords. I've got to be honest <laughs> with you.
6: <laughs> Praise like, the Lord.
3: Yeah. <laughs> like you've done with Keen. <laughs> I've it's done you, it with you all. all right. It's yeah. easy, but
6: yeah, I. I um, oh, this song. I, I mean, firstly, I, I very much associate this song with that scene, and I absolutely love that scene and. And and I think this scene is what separates Licence to Kill* from the Craig era. I know there's a lot of comparisons a lot of the time in terms of the, like, oh well, you know, Dalton and Craig and there's been all this revisionist. But why Dalton doesn't clash, and he st- is because you still have a scene like this, which is very serious in what's happening. There's a lot of, but there's so many cracking little bits throughout it of a swordfish going through. A chair of Bond yeah. uh, of like Dario with a snooker cue, and then mm-hmm. absolutely batters him. And then you've got like Bond getting knocked out, looking up, and he's he's got a dancer right in front of him. <laughs> and you've got all that kind of thing going on. And it's like this is so Bondian in itself. Yeah, yeah. you know, it's got so many of those traits. The song itself is just an amazing <laughs> '80s blues like it's that it's it's the most eighties song going in it really. Yeah. The, the start is very much like Baywatch. Like it's got <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, you know it's yeah. very much like Baywatch. It's got that like kind of atmospheric you know to get going. But when you get into it, you know, you are just in it. And I've been singing it too much and I've been told off by my wife because my son is singing,
0: dirty love,
6: (laughs) going around the house saying it, (laughs)
0: three
6: and a half year old,
2: dirty
0: love. What's Um,
3: that
6: love? You don't think, do you? You just don't think, you're just singing it away and it's a cracking song. didn't surprise me that he had a lot of involvement in the Footloose stuff because I do think think that it does have Tim Feehan yeah I do feel it has that kind of vibe about it when you listen to it like Kenny Loggins things it's very much it's got that all over it it's a cracking song it's a cracking scene it's just a shame there's not um, a version that has the kind of remix of that of that awful noise that's made when Pam sets the shotgun off and the sound system goes down. And it's
5: like, yeah. <laughs> yeah.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I want that. How on a many version. times have we seen that? Film, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's so embedded in your head. <laughs> <laughs>
6: but that's all I can say about it. What? A, what a tune!
3: <laughs> yeah, I didn't know the foot, the Footloose thing, but I do know he's he's basically had, Tim Feehan's had a career of doing background songs to loads of American shows and including stuff like One Tree Hill. Yeah. Very Rob, very Rob. Yeah. Um, must get around to that. But are, you, are you a fan of this, uh, Steve, this, this, this song?
4: <laughs> I, I absolutely love it. I think it's brilliant. Yes. Um, so this song, I, I want to keep plugging another podcast, but James Bond Radio, I think they did an episode, they might have done an episode on it or the guy that did it.
5: Yeah, I think. yeah. Yeah. something like that.
4: So that's when it kind of first came to my attention. And I know they were pushing Cue the Music to perform it, because I know John Williams from JBR is a massive fan of it. And I was at the first performance of Cue the Music when they actually performed it for the first time. Ugh. And I remember <laughs> that I was sat in the audience, I think I was like on the front <laughs> row almost. And I remember Warren sort of introducing what was coming up, and he was sort of talking about the song. And, and I remember Warren afterwards telling everybody that he could tell who the diehard fans in the audience were, because yeah. as soon as he said Dirty Love a massive smile when (laughs) only 10% of the audience had a massive grin on their face and I was definitely one of them I was literally looking around thinking this is going to be great I know what's coming and he said you could tell just from saying love who the diehard fans were in that audience who who the casual ones were and who actually knew what was about and yeah they, they perform it great and it's it's a brilliant song I I can't sing I'm an awful singer I don't I'm not a musical person but if you I look could. like a rock
3: singer though
4: at the moment. <laughs> I got a bit of Chris Cornell going. But if I yeah, could do, sing yeah, it, yeah, yeah, yeah,
3: yeah.
4: I would happily sing that song if I could. If I could sing, <laughs> I would sing that all day long. I think it's great. I love it.
3: Yeah, that I know that is one of your favourites. I know we will discuss that on a, another episode. And uh the Casino Real review, which you know, at some point this this decade will be will be released. Yeah, yeah Matthew, fan of Dirty Love? Song. Yeah, <laughs> I am. Song. I mean yeah. it does
7: <laughs> it does sound very much like a pop rock anthem of the yeah. of the time, but you know, as the guys have said, like, it's just so linked to the scene and, and everything. And I, I, I like the idea of, I, I'm someone who much prefers, um, generally speaking, score to uh, songs on a music, uh, on a film soundtrack. But for a scene like this, it makes complete sense um, to have to have a, a song like, like this. And... And yeah, it helps because it's a really it is a really gritty film, you know. In, it's a revenge thriller, pretty dark in places, but there are l- slightly lighter and and quite Bond mov- moments, and you know, having a, someone using a swordfish as a a weapon, and and you know the fact that uh, everyone just starts fighting each other. It's, yeah, yeah. it's it is a a lighter scene despite what's what's going on, and and obviously Dario is just so. Such a great oh, character and yeah. great performance, so it's brilliant. And also obsessed with the the uh, the guy. Um, f- forgive me, because I'm sure people know the character's name, but uh, the guy that Dario brings with him, you know, <laughs> let me yeah, get right. it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, pretty obsessed with him as well. He also a like, in the whole. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He looked like one of Harry's um, Harry <laughs> Harry's uh, friends from school. Slightly, you really did. Don't Who you. I doubt will be listening to this. So uh,
3: yeah, and his older brother looked like as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. same
7: person.
3: But... I mean, I I just noticed before when I was
6: rewatching the scene, it's it's quite obvious now thinking about it. But do you think the swordfish chair thing was like a, a reference to Rosa Klepp with the with the spike oh, on the foot ah. and the going through, and he uses the chair to stop her?
5: Yes, I never, I'd never,
6: thought th- that. I'd never thought of it before Maybe. until I watched it. I was like, oh.
1: Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the Internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com work. Shopify.com work.
0: Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down.
3: Last chance to just eulogise license to kill before we before we move on. <laughs> Can we just do quotes from that scene? <laughs> yeah, yeah, keep going. Yeah. Yeah. Signorita <laughs>
6: Bouvier, don't I know you? I think I do. <laughs> <laughs>
3: oh, he's so good, isn't he, Del Toro? No, dear. I was, I was saying, I think um, I don't know this. It's a math recently. Even if okay. They recast lots of people, don't they? used to anyway, you know, so you mm. had um, Joe Don Baker had two roles, didn't he? And I'm trying to think, other people have Maud had... Maud Adams, of course. Yeah, more, well, Maud Adams is the obvious one. Brilliant, yeah. yeah. Probably the That's best on. and
7: most, most successful of, yeah. of the people who've dubbed two. Charles Grey. Yeah. Yeah,
3: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> then you've got
7: Judy, from, Judy, Dench.
3: Judy Dench, two different M's. Yeah. Oh, well, wow. good. Interesting. About five different M's in terms of personalities. Yeah. Um, Shane, yeah. Rimmer. Shane Rimmer Shane Rimmers, yeah Mark Lawrence anyway right, yeah. right. anyway yeah it's just so sad it really is the, the point so I good. was making anyway um <laughs> Yeah. You know, Roger Morin the man with the gun the gun yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> but, uh, the point I was making was uh, I know we've had him as a, a henchman but imagine him now in his 50s Del Toro as a main villain I know he, okay he might be a bit some, too similar to Silver in, in that sort of terrifyingly weird and scary way but goodness he's such a good actor such a good screen presence i think he would yeah they won't do it because you know they'll they'll, they have to choose the recent oscar winner too no yeah um
6: in his early career he was renowned as um an actor who made the most of very small roles and obviously dario was a perfect example of that but then it was the, the role he landed in Usual Suspects, which is like a very, very small role by far and away the most one-dimensional character out of the, the five suspects, and yet he's so memorable in that. Yeah. Yeah. Similar in Snatch, very only only in Snatch for a very short time, and yet you just remember that character straight away. He and and it's so great now. He's obviously lead roles and stuff and uh, stuff like Sicario he just yeah. leads oh, oh, he's yeah. just so good in that yeah yeah superb actor superb
7: in fact I, I think he was um, a bit wasted in The Last Jedi uh, oh, yeah. I, don't, I don't want to debate Star but he was a very different character yeah he when, was when I heard ca- when he was cast I was hoping that he would be like the villain for that film you know maybe just staying in that film and yeah. you know the threat for that film and then I don't know Snoke or whoever in the third film. Anyway, it's a it's a debate not for here.
3: <laughs> you know, do you like Star better.
7: Wars? <laughs> 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 I like Math's idea. That's sounding much
4: better already.
3: Wow. <laughs> well, <laughs> the, the fashionable view is that the Last Jedi is the best of all, the best film ever, apart from Empire, isn't it? But
7: I think it's probably the best <laughs> of those three. In terms of it being the best film, the best film with the most like original and maybe iconic scenes, that- and not just being a rehash or a complete oh, mess. Yeah. But there's, I have many problems with it. I hate it. <laughs> <laughs> That's fine.
3: I'm not going to. I'm not. Oh, yeah. I- I- Sorry. I sh- I sh- Sorry. Peace no, and no. love. Peace and love. No, Ringo no, Star apologize.
7: Come on. I- I've got many problems with it. <laughs>
3: Well, thank goodness it's, you know, unlike Star Wars, the James Bond, we agree with every decision they make these days, and <laughs> every choice. Though.
0: Hi, this is Anthony Stark. I played Truman Lodge and License to Kill, and you're listening to Really 007.
3: Anyway, that does link us nicely to uh, the final song we'll be discussing, which is No Time to Die. We have mentioned it, of course, in our No Time to Die preview, which was <laughs> many moons ago. And it's still not out yet. It's September now, we're, we're talking, hopefully. They've never officially said that. They they officially said April, haven't they? Still not here. Still waiting. Well, the cinemas are short, so it Steve, were you of the mind that definitely wait until it's on cinema?
4: I always thought that I watched the older films on a small screen, a lot smaller than I've got at home at the moment, and it never took my enjoyment away from it. So I was always of the mindset of, if it comes out... However, they release it, I'll probably watch it, and I'd, I'd like to see it at the cinema as well. So if it comes out when it's safe in the cinema, I'll still go to the cinema and watch it. Yeah. So to me, it never really mattered as to whether or not it'd come on. I mean, I've got a, I'm not bragging, I've got a or <laughs> whatever. <laughs> Most people do. It's not, a, it's not a special thing anymore. We've all got decent HD TVs, and I'd happily watch it on that, to be fair, and then see it on a big screen. So I'm not, I'm not a big. It has to be on the cinema. I, I, I'm happy to see it, however they release it. To be honest, I'm not pushing for. Either way, I'm just whatever's the safest way. I think has to be the way forward, and whatever whatever makes them the most money, I guess, because they need to to make that money to make the next one.
3: Yeah, imagine the first Bond film that's lost money. It could, it could conceivably be at this rate, it? but hopefully by September, surely it will be packed cinema houses. that will be oh, it's something to look forward to, isn't it? I know we've got worries about the film, but yeah, the song, Steve so obviously by Billie Eilish who be honest have we heard of her before nope we're, we're getting on a bit but I mean she's oh, yeah. she's, 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 I have, big. Yeah. she's big she's big Much more in more uh, well there. no I mean slightly more <laughs> not <there. laughs> even any more but it was Sharp just when,
7: when I used to drive to work I, I, I occasionally put Radio 1 on and they, they I heard a couple of her songs um, so I had I had heard of her I thought oh, she's quite quite interesting I, I didn't I can't say when I was when I heard her songs before it was announced she was doing the on some that I thought, here's someone who could do
5: the, uh, the
3: new James Bond song. But anyway, sorry. <laughs> well, go on, Steve. Uh, you're a fan of this song, obviously. So this is good that you've chosen it.
4: Well, I, I chose it because I wanted to hear what you guys thought about it. Oh, <laughs> <right>.
5: <laughs> yes. I
4: I did think if anyone's going to speak positively, I'd probably be me, to be fair. So I thought, let's get it out of the way. I'll pick this song, I'll, I'll, I'll defend it. And t- to be fair, I mean, before the song came out, it wasn't the song I wanted, because I wanted a rock song again. I was well up for a big you know, Chris Cornell again. Let's get something to send him out on a good song. So it wasn't that... and as soon as they announced Billie Eilish, I mean, A, I didn't know who she was. I'd never heard of her. And B, as soon as I looked up her stuff, I knew, well, I'm not getting the song I wanted then, because she don't do anything like that. When... <laughs> When I actually listened to the song, my first listen was I absolutely hated it. I didn't like it at all. Oh. I literally thought it sounds like Skyfall and writings on the Wall. It doesn't yeah. go anywhere. It doesn't do anything for me. It's not... I thought if she's going to do it, at least give me something that I've never heard before. Do do, do a Billy Eilish song that's a Bond yeah. song. felt like she'd tailored herself to make a song that they wanted, I guess, yeah, rather yeah. than doing her own thing. But over over time, I mean, I do... Instantly, the thing I liked about it was it was almost like a poem when you look at the lyrics and a story within it. And I think there's so much they've got to get through in No Time to Die because they didn't do it in Spectre. There's no love story really between Swan and Bond. And they've got to push that quite early on at the start of No Time to Die. So to actually have a story within the song actually might help... Had it a little bit and get it moving along a little bit longer. So it kind—I of, don't. Obviously, we don't know what the pre-titles are going to be, but I'm assuming from the lyrics that it's about a breakup between the two of them. And I'm assuming that will help yeah. sort of move the story along and tell us a bit more. So I can kind of see why they've done that. I remember seeing a clip on—I think I've shared it on Twitter, but I saw it on Facebook, which is about forty-six seconds of Hans Zimmer playing uh, a bit of his score, and it's literally that within. And it sounds amazing when it's literally just 46 seconds of no time to die, but it sounds absolutely... And if he's going to use it within the film, like I want and like we all really want, then I think it's one of those songs that it's not a great Bond song, but it's a good enough song. It's a good song, and if it's used within the film, then it'll work for the film. It's it's very difficult to judge it without seeing the film because you don't get... You know, It's hard to judge that sort of thing, and we've had it for so long, over a year now in our consciousness. And again, there was another example of when it fitted really well for me I don't know if any of you guys watch Strictly Come Dancing
5: <laughs> well, yeah, they, I've, I've seen it yeah
4: but yeah they did a, a James Bond thing at the start of uh, I think it was October no, when it was due to come out they'd filmed it months in advance anyway and they played I did a medley of all the James Bond songs and that song was actually I think it was at the over at the end of it or near the end of it and you didn't actually notice it straight away it kind of fitted with all the other songs and that was the first time I thought, oh, yeah, actually, that's... Yeah. The, and I've listened to it as just the instrumental on uh, Spotify. There's an instrumental version of it, and it's absolutely a brilliant song. I don't think it mm. kicks into a level that you kind of want to hear from a Bond song, but as a song itself, it's actually a really nice song. And I think, again, once we see the film and the context of it all, I think, I think it could be a good song, but it's definitely better than the previous one, that's for sure.
3: Yeah. Well, you mean you didn't change your mind when you saw a naked or topless uh, Daniel Craig with tentacles around him.
4: Con- I assume that's contracted that he has to do that. <laughs>
3: yeah, yeah,
4: yeah. <laughs> Why bother getting in shape if you're not going to do that? <laughs>
3: yeah. but... Is it Harry who said, imagine Roger Moore in one of his title sequences. <laughs> <laughs> He's in quite a few of them, to be fair, but... Yeah, yeah. To be
4: fair, not to go too far on writings on the wall, that's... That's not a terrible song. I've heard no, that again. No. I've heard the music perform that again. And I do like, but there's just some songs that I tune out of halfway through. And I think if it does that to me, I don't I don't like it. So, and I don't know why, because another song, I'm going to go too far off what we're talking no, no. about. But again, The World Is Not Enough. I think that's a great song. Mm-hmm. Again, I tune out after about a minute and a half and then I tune in at the end and I don't know what, there's nothing wrong with that song. I can't criticise it in particular. It's just a personal sort of thing. I kind of, tune out of it and then tune back in and I feel like if it's not got my attention for the full 3 minutes or whatever then I guess I can't call it a brilliant song but it's it's yeah. not it's not an issue with the songs it's probably more me yeah. than than anything
3: my word the the lyrics but in the video which is basically just I think maybe because of covid it was just it's just her isn't it mm-hmm. singing but there are shots there's only shots of Bond and Madeline so it must be
4: yeah I didn't I didn't is like that, that vi- I didn't like that video because I think there was no, spoilers no. in it I think there was a spoiler in it's that boring, I'm not no. sure but yeah. From what I could see, I wish I hadn't watched that video.
3: <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, that's the worry. Even even listening to some of the tracks, you know, oh, can't do that.
4: I have, <laughs> I, have, I, have I have looked at the track list. I didn't want to do it. Is it is it out? It's been out. Yeah, yeah.
3: yeah, it came out last. The time. names of the tracks, and and that's a spoiler.
4: There is one, at least one spoiler, I'd say. Yeah, oh, for right. sake.
3: Yeah, I haven't. Looked. Bonds dies. <laughs> I'm joking.
4: I'm joking. <laughs> I, don't know, joking? Is, I don't know. Are you joking? joking? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I'm
3: not. I'm not. I not i did not even know the word. No, I, I won't be. I won't be listening to that until after I've seen it.
4: Definitely. I'll listen to no. it. I just don't. Yeah. I mean, I've seen the track titles anyway, so I'd listen to it if they released it. it. It would be nice if they'd like release a song a month or something in the lead up to it, just to give us something to go on. But I yeah,
3: don't, yeah, I don't think they
4: will. But it would be nice just to, for the fans to give us something
3: to do. They were doing feed. that podcast thing, weren't they? But I don't know what yeah. to that. But, didn't, didn't last. Dated, isn't it? No. Daniel Kleinman directed the video. You know, he does the pre-title sequence. So. Yeah. John, you've loved Rise on the Wall, so I'm assuming you must. it's continued along that, that thread.
6: <laughs> uh, no Time to Die is better than Rise on the Wall, definitely. <laughs> that, that, that's that's, that's just... not
3: putting it mildly. <laughs>
6: <laughs> um, what's I say about No Time to Die? I think the melody is very good. I think Billie Eilish is a really good vocalist, actually. I think, I think the vocals are good, and I saw... I saw that live performance you did. I don't know what it was at, but it was basically Zimmer was there leading an orchestra. The Brits, I think. Was it the yeah. Brits? Yeah. yeah,
5: yeah, yeah.
6: And that Johnny
5: version,
6: in Ma. Johnny Marr, that was it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that version was much better. I think I could feel the power from it in terms of like the power of voice, but also the orchestra as well. My main, my main issues with the song is that how slow it is. Really. But but that's the thing. I was saying this to Matt before because I I always I always thought Moonraker was a slow song. But there is so much instrumentation going on in Moonraker. It's it's quite busy actually, but it's beautiful how it's done. This is so sparse. It's almost underproduced. I know that's the very in thing to do at this moment in time, and, and unfortunately that is how the young work. They work with what's popular and they go with that. I wish we had something a bit more upbeat. I think you could, I think you could use that song and put a beat to it and put some instrument, in some strings on it, and you'd actually have a really good song. You know, because I, I think the melody is is good. I much prefer it to writings on the wall. My issue with the lyrics is, is is that it's asking you to buy into a love story that I don't buy into. That's my, that's my issue with that. But that's not a criticism of the song itself, that's just a criticism of the direction that the series has gone. It's not my least favorite by any stretch, but it doesn't get me excited about the film. I mean, that's the, the Chris Cornell was so off the wall that it gets you excited about the film. But I look at my lists apart from we have all the time in the world, which is my absolute favorite. And that does fall into this category. My other favorites are stuff like live and let die view to a kill. I, I want, I want a band to make a music. Yeah. And let them arrange the instrumentation with the composer and see what it goes with that. And I'll be interested to see how the No Time to Die theme tune is merged into the score because, from the top of my head, I can only imagine it ever being put in like love story parts because of how slow it is. I couldn't, it'd be very interesting to see how that would be merged into, say, an action scene that's a shame because i'd really like that because i think that thomas newman scores previously have actually really did not enhance the film with their scores there have been a lots of beats but because they haven't included a lot of the songs in them they're not very memorable as scores like a lot of the john barry or for me david arnold scores were either so it'll be interesting to see how it fits in and my opinion may change so far i think that's a nice song with some good bits but it's not one of my favorites by any stretch.
3: Quite hard to do it as, as the main love theme it's it sounds a bit too minor key a bit too mysterious to be a sort of you know a sort of like a Barry Lush or even like you said Steve the city of lovers that it's not that is it it's but I suppose the, that's the whole point is that yeah apparently now probably broken up or something now.
5: That's
3: what? it. It's, he let he left MI6 for this woman he would only just met and then who's Mr White's dad and then he's and then he's already broken up with her because yeah, in the trailer they're almost like they, they bump into a, in, in some alley. No, well, I don't, it looks like some clinic, doesn't it? Again, and she's got a clipboard, and it's like oh, as if they haven't seen each other for ages. But oh I God.
4: think the interesting. So I think the interesting yeah. thing with No Time to Die is how the story is going to be told, if it's in order or not. Because yeah. I can't really see from the clips I've seen. I don't know the order of the story and how it's going to be told. No. Are we going to get flashbacks to relationships? No, no, please. I don't no. know how it's going to. That's, that's one of the things that interests me as to how they're going to actually tell the story from start to finish or are they going to break it well, up? Well, they've,
3: be- they've got enough time, haven't they? Two hours and <laughs> 43 minutes. <laughs> me. I think it's,
7: it's decent. It's not massively memorable. It's not, it, it is quite slow and, and sparse, as John says. Yeah, I think it's all right. I, I, I think, so obviously I'm not the, uh, the biggest Daniel Craig fan, but I think you know my name is absolutely brilliant. And that was yeah. a really sort of triumphant start for um, for Daniel Craig. And, and obviously within that film also was clearly the best love story in his era that, you know, all others are going to pale in comparison to. So I don't think they really should have, writing-wise for the films, they should have tried to force another Daniel Craig love story on us, really, unless it's sort of, I don't know, this one seems forced. And so to be ending his era on... Uh, like a you know about really sort of lovey dovey well not lovey dovey <laughs> song you know what I mean a song about their their relationship rather than a similar you know my name you know I'm Bond you know this is what I do yeah. I save the world this is this is what I'm I've been put on earth to do type thing that I think that would have been been better for him but when that might not reflect the uh, the story yeah I, you know it's a reasonable it's a reasonable performance she's got an. Interesting voice. Obviously, I don't think it's up there with like Shirley Bassey or or Adele in terms of, you know, sort of quality of, of voice in that respect. For my own personal reasons, I don't like the idea of just choosing who's popular at the minute and and going with them. I guess, you know, in some ways you could say, well, Duran Duran, aha, sort of, you know, they did that a little bit. But the problem is, um, we discussed this before. There's no way that you'd be able to get the composer of the of the films. But I don't know if they have a long term enough strategy to do this anyway. They, they change the composers quite a lot now. It's too big a conversation for, for, for this. <laughs> but um,
3: mm-hmm. no, no, no. It,
7: well, it, it's because <laughs> I, I think overall, although the composers in the Marvel Cinematic Universe change too much for my liking, but because the producers almost, I don't know that they. They get directors in and then sometimes allow them too much power, like Sam Mendes, in my Mm. opinion. But then when it's Danny Boyle, oh, no, no. Maybe that's because he was doing... Maybe that's because of the writing. Directors nowadays want their own composers. You wouldn't be able to say to Sam Mendes, you're having David Arnold. He'll be like, no, no, I'm having Thomas Newman. I always have Thomas Newman. You know, I can't picture Thomas Newman. You're going to be working with Sam Smith. And it just doesn't... Yeah, yeah. It doesn't. I don't think it'll happen. So, but having said all that, I do worry a bit about Bond losing relevance and losing significance within, you know, British and film culture and everything. And and so, one way that it can compete with, say, Marvel films is having title songs. You know, songs that are released by artists. Because I don't think any other franchise really does that they, they might occasionally have a song that's linked to it but not in the same way that bond I, i'm not the target audience of radio one but I, I i used to listen to it occasionally and it was it was made quite a big thing look we've got this new bond song and the fact that it was adele sam smith and now billy eilish means that their listeners will will listen to it and probably be more more engaged with bond than they would otherwise be so for example, I, you know, as I say, Chris Cornell. I'd much rather have someone like that. Maybe he wouldn't have someone of his standing or whatever wouldn't have uh, captured the imaginations of the younger audience as much as as Billy. I you know, she's the youngest person ever to have uh, performed a, a Bond song. I, uh, she, she went, she went further up in my estimations when I saw a clip of um, Rain Wilson who plays Dwight Schrute in the uh, in the office. I don't know whether any of you saw this, but. Billie Eilish is a massive uh, American office fan, as I am. And so uh, Rain Wilson surprised her, turned up at her, her house um, and uh, did like a quiz with her. But he, he kept referring to her as William Eyelash, which uh, really made me laugh. But yeah, she 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 knew her stuff. She's a real office nerd. So
6: I, I was oh, pleased with that. Brilliant. It's just referring to something that Mav said about what you said about how big name directors are not going to take on, you know, they want to have their own composer. And it's a really good point. But the history of Bond was that we never had big name directors. We had yeah. we yeah. had Bond family members who yeah. worked the way up and understood that this was a collaboration. Yeah. Maybe that's the key. Maybe that's the key to actually go back to look at who's been faithfully on this team for a long time who understands Bond. And let's get back to you. Yeah. Collaboration. Let's not try and find the biggest name director we can find. Let's just go back to basics. I, I hate saying that, sorry, but let's go back to some of that ethos of creating a family again where we do this together and let's see what we come up with through it.
3: A couple of the big, big names have said that, haven't they? Like Steven Spielberg basically I, I realized he was too big. He, will, he wouldn't be able to do it. I think he always wanted to do a Bond film. And then, of course, he and George Lucas created Indiana Jones almost like. We can't do bonds, so we'll. Yeah. So how good's that? We get both of them, but and then in our "The World Is Not Enough" episode, we discussed Peter Jackson was going to do it, wasn't he? Barbara Broccoli wasn't impressed <laughs> with the frighteners, um, <laughs> so that didn't happen. But anyway, but mm-hmm. then he then he was like, "Oh great, well that's it. I'm after Lord of the Rings. I'm too big almost now, and so I there's absolutely no way I'm going to be offered it again." So then I don't know. Maybe I think Sam Mendes was the. Probably the bit the the, the first yeah. real one to sort of change that. Yeah, I mean, Mark Forster was he'd done some really, you know, critically acclaimed films, mm. hasn't he? So it's an unusual choice like that. And so I suppose Michael apt had, but they these they, 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 they used to they're get. Not the and, they're not
7: bigger no, than the franchise. They're not bigger than the franchise, though. But no. Sam Mendes is almost you know who yeah. needs who more?
3: Exactly. Yeah, and <laughs> I think he's a bit of a darling, isn't he? In terms of you know he was married to Kate Winslet and Knight of the Realm and all this sort of thing that. It was like, oh, oh, we're so grateful to have you. Please come back for another one. No, I don't really want to. Oh, Daniel, do you, can you come up back? No, I don't want to either. Right. Oh, we'll do well. Forget it. We'll just wait until you say yes. Anyway, I mean, these are these are all the problems, aren't they? But you did you did actually mention you when you said that uh, the director brings with them the composer and it didn't um bring with him Dan Roma? He did. And then he yeah yeah. I don't know what was that rejected the score. Yeah yeah. I can't remember. I don't why. know that that's happened before.
7: Yeah, so that's why obviously Zimmer, they thought, well, we need to get a big, big yeah. Game. So I don't know whether he'll be lasting longer than than this. I'd be quite surprised if he did.
3: No, because he, I mean, he said, doesn't he? He's done with Batman now, is not he? And yeah, yeah. You know, and well, fair enough. He did three to seven. <laughs> this
6: this might be Four. more my conspiracy theories or opinions, but
2: mm. I
6: wonder actually how much of the story is Zimmer himself. Mm. I, I do Zimmer's a brand. And, yeah. and I do wonder how much of his actual team has done this, and he's given it the tip, the once over and said, "Yeah, that's fine."
4: Yeah, I think I think I agree with that, but I do think Bond is such a big thing. I think Zimmer really wanted, from what I've heard previously, he has talked about Bond, and I think that's something he would want to work on.
5: Yeah,
4: I do think he probably has had quite more. I think there are some projects where he does put his name on it, me plus Steve, whatever his name is, or whoever else yeah, yeah. he does it with. But it's I great. think. Oh. <laughs> yeah, but yeah but i do i do think this is one of these probably for him is a bit of a passion project i think he wanted yeah, to do this uh, so i do I, yeah. I, I can't i mean i don't know even myself i don't know how much he's put into it but i do think this might be might be Hans Zimmer's score but we'll see it's but a I, don't plus what, spot, I don't know whether that's a good thing either i'm not sure whether that's a good you or know a I think?
3: yeah i mean he's such a good composer but is he right for bond like thomas newman I think he's an amazing composer, but
5: yeah,
3: I think Hans Zimmer can do action music a lot better though. I, th- yeah. I think he's a safe—he's not a safe well, pair of hands. He's a genius. But
4: I um—I went to Hans Zimmer's world tour. Um, yes,
3: yeah, and it was yeah been, so we like, did. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely, yeah.
4: absolutely yeah. amazing, wasn't it? And I do—I do think, I think, I—I well, I hope he's quite respectful of John Barry, and I do think. Yeah. I hope he's going to go back to that sort of style rather than Hans Zimmer up the score. I'm hoping he's going to tailor himself a little bit to Bond, and yeah. we're going to. Hans Zimmer and Bond sort of combination between the two. This is Hans Zimmer, but it's also
3: Bond as well. So until we see it or hear it, sort well, as... you, You've heard a few more seconds than the rest of us, Steve.
4: I'll have to retweet. I'll have to retweet that. Steve.
3: There was there's that bit where he, the copy of um, the world is not enough. Where he gets a briefcase and it's unbelievable. You know, he goes off the bridge. It's, I think that's copied. Anyway, uh, there's a bit of music, isn't there?
4: On margin, on margin.
3: Well, of course, yeah. Well, <laughs> the world is not enough. You know. Skyfall was obviously a love letter. No, so, um, but, uh, <laughs> it's the same writers. <laughs> a, a middle finger to well, the other thing. No, um, sorry. Uh, <laughs> right, John, you mentioned you like this. You mentioned that it was a bit disrespectful. Sam Smith, what did he say? He said something like, "I've I wrote it in what was ten it? minutes? Ten minutes? I
6: said he in ten minutes.
3: Billy Eilish and her brother, who's the other who who writes and produces the songs with her, they said it took just three days. But is three days that long? I... I,
6: Well, just obviously
3: judge it on what you get, but the orchestration apparently took six months or something.
6: The thing with when you make a comment of how long it takes something, you've got to be very confident in what you're releasing. So, like, (laughs) Noel Gallagher says that he wrote Supersonic in 20 minutes during a rehearsal. And he can say that comment because
3: it's a classic.
6: Um... And in some ways, you can tell it's only taken 20 minutes because the lyrics are nonsensical. <laughs> but it doesn't matter because... It, lyrics don't matter,
3: we've discussed that. Yeah,
6: <laughs> yeah, but it connects. So when you're going to make a big comment like that, you have to make sure that you can back up what you're saying. We were discussing it yesterday. Sam Smith opens his mouth before he thinks, doesn't he? And He, he just mm. he did himself no favours. Three days, I think, it depends on what you do. Like, there's that... What is, what is it? Music is usually 10% inspiration and 90% per- yeah, pers- good. perspiration.
3: Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know?
6: perspiration, yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. In terms of you've just got to keep going, haven't you, really? And you might have that initial forge. You could have found that hook line, just no time to die straight away. But then you can be really having to dig in to find what complements that bit. I haven't got too much of an issue with someone saying it takes three days to write it because three solid days
3: on something is a lot of work, really. Well, some of it, of course, was... Was in the previous song, wasn't it? The
7: How do I live? Yeah, How do I, live? I-, I thought the- it was a similar. Fool yeah. me once, fool yeah. me
3: twice. Yeah, yeah. fair a bit naughty, huh? <laughs> Yeah, again, I have another
7: American <laughs> Office link with uh, that line when uh, <laughs> Yeah, yes, yeah. When Michael Scott says, you know, either fool me or trick trick me once, strike one. <laughs> trick me twice. Strike three. <laughs>
3: so you can't take the song seriously
7: then? Well, that line, no, I can't.
4: No, no. I, think, I think what you said about the Sam Smith comment, I remember when he said it at the time, thinking he must have been so excited, he must have this really great idea. This must, you know he's done it in 10 minutes. He must... This must be brilliant. And then when you hear it, like you said, if you don't back that comment up with something decent, then it looks like a silly comment. And I'm like, th- that actually got my expectations up when I first heard that, because I thought you must be so into this straight away. He's literally done it in 10 minutes. And I took it as kind of the other way. I took it as he's, get, he's poured everything straight into it, but it's not a great song. So maybe taking 20 minutes or at least three days. <laughs> <Next time. laughs> Yeah, no, you've got to, yeah, you've got to back it up if you're going to say something like that.
3: We always end up talking about the writings on the wall. Writings yeah. on the wall, yeah? It's yeah, not it's the writings. I know, the... yeah. it's so, so weird. So, uh, both from the Bible as well. You won't even know that, will you, of course. I mean, most people don't know that, but Sam well, Anyway, Either the Bible love or, or Piers Brosnan in GoldenEye, one of the two. Yeah. Right. Oh, yeah, of course, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Again, I'm sure... Sam
4: Smith is a massive Bond fan, and he's so, like, oh, "I love that bit." Yeah, I think, I, I think I'd rather Pierce Brosnan had sung that song, to be honest. Oh, yeah, yeah. Have you heard "Mamma Mia"? Yeah,
0: what's well, yeah. the song he does in "Mamma yes, Mia"? I have. I have. That's the point. You used to be so good. This used to be. so
7: yeah. good. <laughs> what a lot. Imagine
3: that. The new Pierce Brosnan has been chosen to sing. <laughs> <laughs> Even when he was bombed. you know. Even now he was chosen, yeah.
4: Write the theme tunes, sing the theme tunes. Yeah,
3: yeah, yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Dennis Watson yeah. <laughs> So old-fashioned. I mean, obviously, so Down for the Kids, it was number one in, in the UK, and so was Sam Smith, so. And John will say, well, Down of the Day was number two or three, so. I love that song, full disclosure, Steve. It's, it's original, it's different. <laughs> It's got yes. strings. It's a bon song. I
4: can't deny those.
3: <laughs> it's, it really gets you in the mood. It's
4: like it's not. It's, it's, not, like the worst, Raker, it's not the worst thing in the world. It I, suits the film. Yes.
3: Yeah. Yeah.
4: You're watching someone get oh. tortured, so you might as well listen. <laughs> <laughs> in fact, We're all in pain. Put... We're all in pain.
3: Yeah. But I think you put on Twitter the other day, Steve. If if you released your hair you are looking quite Brosnan at the start of um Dine of the Day. True. So, true. Yeah. And another <laughs> homage that you didn't know.
4: I, I need, I need um, a job and a haircut.
3: Yeah. Pretty He got good. He looks good. Yeah. You've got um you've got the PS Brosnan vibe when he
6: comes out of the water in uh, Goldeneye. You oh, know when yeah. uh, he comes out of that and he's got the slit back thing, yeah. you know.
5: I'll
3: say, just yeah. Normal play. I Mrs. Doubtfire. Oh, Mrs. Doubtfire! Yeah, <laughs>
4: yeah. gotta watch out for drive-by fruiting.
3: <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yes. Oh no, I saw it. It was.
4: <laughs> I nearly, I nearly tweeted the other day that Mrs. Doubtfire is my favourite Pierce Brosnan film, but I couldn't do it. You'd <laughs> <laughs> <Well, laughs> go mad if well, I did.
3: Lord. We'd gotten away with that. I've, I don't know whether to say that, but John, I'm not. I don't know whether Steve's the biggest Pierce Brosnan fan. If you like Mrs. Doubtfire, it's all right. Don't oh. worry about it. <laughs>
4: I people people think I dislike Pierce Brosnan. I really don't. I was goading. Him. I was goading. Just so much banter on Twitter about it. You got to join yeah, it. Yeah. That's the
7: thing. It's so weird because it does seem that on Twitter there's quite a lot of discussion and debate about Pierce Brosnan, whereas on this podcast we we always seem to forget to mention him. <laughs> <laughs> After him. certainly to begin with, we we you know, and when I'm thinking, you know, when people ask me to rank the actors, I I forget to include him sometimes, which yeah. is it's it's weird because. Amongst my friends and people my age, they're massive Brosnan fans because he was the one they saw at the cinema yeah. and everything. And, you know, Gold I was such a seminal moment in, you know, my life and other people's lives, even if they're not the biggest Bond fans in the world. They're massive fans of that film and the game. So I think, I think with the delay, there's the real
4: massive sort of Pierce Brosnan versus Daniel Craig thing kind of going on within the fan community at the moment. Yeah. And more. I kind of, I kind of get that. And, but the thing for me is that they both, the first films were the best films for both of them. The second film were quick action films. The third film's where they both tried something different and tried to put a pit bull drama into it. And then the fourth film's a crap one. So only... <laughs> <It's> <laughs> they're, actually kind of, they're actually kind of on par <laughs> at the moment. It's only, it's only that Daniel Craig's gonna get a fifth that yeah. it
5: actually
3: will oh. either break
4: the tie and make him better or it'll actually make him worse because he didn't do a, another good film. So,
3: so they're, both almost... quite,
4: they're both quite even to me.
3: Think it could make or break his legacy. I don't think it will because I think Casino Royale's so well loved, isn't it? I don't.
4: Think. I think it will for me. Even, yeah, though, really? Casino, even though Casino Royale is my favourite film, I still think if we don't get a decent fifth film, that's that's three bad films out of five. That's not good enough for me. Mm. And I think that was the worst odds, isn't it? I you,
3: you,
4: there's so much hype. Some no expectation after Casino Royale was so high because it was so good that they just went off in the wrong direction for me. I to me, I would have remade. Live and Let Die and followed the books and I'd have done Ian Fleming's Live and Let Die and just I'd have followed that sort of pattern I'd have done it completely different I think what they did with Quantum just went off a totally different thing and I'm I, I love Skyfall but there are errors with Skyfall I'm not a I'm not the biggest biggest Skyfall mm-hmm. fan but I do think I think it's great but it could have been so much better I just think that that if it's, if if No Time to Die is not any good, it'll always be a missed opportunity for a great era of Bond, I think, because I think you'll just have one good film.
3: I think it's like, we assume it'll be better than Spectre. We know it won't be as good as Casino Royale. It's in that middle ground, isn't it, I think? If it's as good as Skyfall, they'd probably take that, wouldn't you? I'd take that. I yeah. I, I snap
7: your hand off, actually. I
3: yeah.
6: your hand off. <laughs> <laughs> I really would about No yeah. Time to Die. I mean, I, I was very excited about Spectre. Uh, the The... Yeah. It was yeah. a cracking trailer. It had the Majesty's theme tune at the end of the trailer. It was really trying to G up for this is the big film. Good catch. And it just bombed on <laughs> yeah. just so many levels. I just I, I, I don't walks. know what to expect at all
4: now. same time as six minutes,
5: six minutes, check.
4: I think with no time to die i think no time to die trailer is great and i think it does it's got more action in it it's got more color in it it looks more like an adventure it looks like they've taken some of the things that specter didn't do and they're doing it well but my thing is i can't get the tone from the trailer at the moment i don't no, know if no. it's going serious i don't know if it's going not comedy but i don't know if it's going to be lighter the thing that i'm most excited about is how it's actually how it, what the tone of the film is because i'm just not getting that from what i'm seeing i'm seeing a lot of good action but then it looks lighter in tone. But then there's darker. Is it going to get that blend of? Because it needs to do both. Really, it does need to mix the light-hearted mm. as well as the dark. Mm. So are they going to get that fine balance? Because I don't think they've got it for the last few films.
3: They have like Spectre had both, but all wrong. With the balance is. Yeah. So,
4: yeah, I agree. I, just, Whereas, I think a Kill
3: gets it right.
4: I think the issue with Spectre is there's just so many better ways to make that film. I just yeah. don't understand how they made a bad film. You've got. I think I think that's what ruins it for me. Is it's just everything's there to make a good film. How did you not make a good film, or at least a solid film? It's just I don't know how it's so bad. I don't know how they managed to do that. <laughs> I can tell
3: you. No. <laughs> no. See,
6: for me, it's just too many writers. Like it was, uh, was there about six writers on it by the end or something credited, and it was all passed yeah. around, and it was, and then, and when in doubt, Stick a Pur- Purvis
3: and Wade. Yes, yeah.
6: just... but when Purvis and Wade are <laughs> like the emergency people. To come yes. to, like they're the script doctors. You yeah. think to yourself, we're in, we're in serious trouble here. You know.
4: I think the initial film was supposed to be the two uh, film from Logan, and I think they combined the two almost and put it into right. one. Film, and I think you can feel that that's they're trying to cram two films into one, and it just
3: yeah, because it was the genesis of Blowfell and the mystery, and then he just. Just arrested at
4: the end. I think I think Didn't he know. had a two. I think he had a two-part film, and I think from what I heard, the first part was meant to end with them discovering it was Blofeld all along, and then the second film was the Blofeld film. Have yeah, been yeah. much, way to much
7: have done better. It. it would have been much better, and much better. <laughs> with him not being his foster brother or whatever. Please. Oh yeah, yeah. But my initially, yeah. <sighs> my initial. My initial
5: yeah,
4: I know we're going to go on to Spectre a little bit now, but my initial problem with Spectre was you called it Spectre, so of course Blofeld. Yeah,
7: yeah, <laughs> yeah. What? Well, oh. <laughs> What a surprise! It's sealing
5: sure.
4: the yeah. Call it something completely different, and then throw Spectre in at the end. It didn't. It didn't make any sense. Tell yeah. me a story about Quantum, and then at the end, Quantum gets destroyed by another organization that's even bigger, and let's go follow yeah. them instead, or whatever. Yeah. Just tell me something different. I did, calling it Spectre was just almost arrogant, as if to say we've got Spectre back, so we're just going to call the film Spectre. Yeah. Yeah. And it just that, that annoyed right. me a little bit as well. I think so. I it think just got yeah. expectations really.
6: They got too giddy, didn't they? they yeah. The minute they got those rights, they were just like, we need to absolutely home in on this as much as we
4: can. Yeah. They probably should have They probably should have just finished The Quantum Organisation with Daniel Craig and then the next actor bring in Spectre as, as an art yeah, for five films or idea. whatever they want to do. I think because they, they got Craig, they just wanted to rush ahead and get on with it.
6: It's a personal thing, but I still can't believe they haven't called a film Risico. I mean, no. it's just yeah, such yeah. an amazing title and it's an yeah. original Bond title. I, I just like... Why have we never had a film called this? It's just perfect.
3: The American market didn't like it. I don't, I don't know. My license revoked. Before we go, I can't leave you there. A metal cover of No Time to Die. Which, you know, you wanted a bit more a bit more orchestration. You wanted a bit more percussion in it. This, this is um, Our Last night.
5: ready back i should not <laughs> 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 okay
7: <to show.
5: laughs> <laughs>
7: It's too much.
4: Stuff. Ruining it.
7: <laughs> <laughs> it needs uh, it needs Christopher Lee speaking over
3: it. Tom <laughs> you know, like <laughs> Light and shade.
4: Oh, will see what Rob.
5: But well,
6: the actual the main melody is these two layers before you get. The
4: Yeah,
3: fun. Not, the, not the
5: vocal.
3: Feature this
5: like the child of is bomb. Yeah. Like yeah.
4: right, Chris Cornell. There is actually a, a cover that's sung like Chris Cornell. I don't know if you guys have heard that. Oh,
5: I've, no.
4: I've heard that a few times. That My daughter prefers that to the Billie Eilish one. No. She always always gets me to play that one. And it's actually, I'll share it with you guys again. It's actually really good.
3: Yeah. Thank you, Steve, for joining us on this merry-go-round of uh, James Bond, loosely around the odd songs.
4: (laughs) (laughs) I know I rambled quite a lot. I'm not very good at sticking to topic.
3: None of us are. You fit right in. Yeah. Thank you for joining us, uh, Matt and uh, John as well. We will be discussing more Bond songs as we go along. We've done license to kill now, that's the only downside, isn't it? I'm sure we'll do it. Songs. Yeah. Yeah. We'll find many more excuses to discuss those (laughs) (laughs) Later.